Well, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word of the Lord lets us know, reminds us, speaks to our hearts, our very life, our soul, and says, you need a shepherd. I need a shepherd. I think people, whoever they are, deep down desire a shepherd. We desire someone to care for us. How do you know this? Because it's a whole industry of books devoted to being your mentor, your coach, your something. And we all need those things, and I have them. But what we really need is a shepherd. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I think when it comes to leadership, coaching, mentoring, I really now find after 10 years in this job, I, can, I really learn best from people who have suffered. Suffering is a great school for leaders. It's been said, anyone can lead in an easy time, but give you a hard time, and that's when the real person comes out. That's when you really see what you're like as a leader. But what we really like is, of course, sheep. And sheep need shepherds. They really do. Done a lot of work with sheep. Still hold my wool classing certificate for some strange reason. I pay for it every three years. Haven't classed a bale in about 10 years. But let me tell you, I don't think it has changed much. In 10 years, I don't think sheep development has changed. I don't think sheep have worked it out or been to sheep university or done something, followed trade school for sheep. I don't think sheep are any different than they are now than they were 2,000 years ago, perhaps 3,000 years ago when these words were about penned. Sheep need shepherds. I once said in a sermon about sheep that they are often... Uh, weak and often wrong. We say that in a call to worship. They're hopeless. They're helpless. They fall into holes. They, one little divot in the ground and they fall over and they can't get up. And someone chided me for it. No, sheep are very intelligent animals and so forth. Okay. Well, we can agree on they still need shepherds though. And people need a shepherd. As I talk with my friends and family who are not believers in Jesus, and our family, our wider family, has again gone through what we all go through. We've had a grandfather, a great-grandfather die. It was We knew it was coming. The family had time to prepare. Amy's grandfather died in Perth. It happens to us all. But what I notice is this. The wider family, people are genuinely frightened. Like we pretend we're not. We pretend when it comes to death, if we, if we don't have any conception or belief in something there being after life or there being a God who's in control, people are frightened about death. We laugh it off until it gets close. But then when we start to tread on the valley of that shadow, that's when it starts getting serious for us. People are frightened and fearful, especially of pain, especially in the valley of the shadow of death. And we are like sheep who need a shepherd. Do you feel that you need a shepherd? Do you know that you need a shepherd? And if you do, you're not alone. Because I feel that. But also look at verse 0. David felt that. David, who was by trade, by profession, a shepherd. In the great line of shepherds of his forefathers who went before. Abraham. Jacob, 
Moses. All shepherds. I was reading about shepherds in the ancient Near East because, well, as you know, my experience of shepherding really only belongs in the 21st century. Well, 20th century. I lived in the 20th century. But um, last century, this century, shepherding is very different to ancient Near East shepherding. I'm told that someone met an ancient Near East shepherd even in the, in the late uh, kind of 1800s, and their description ran like this. Wasn't what we often think a shepherd is, is kind of like this you know, meek, weak kind of person, just got this hobbling along on a staff, hoping the sheep will crowd around them. They notice the shepherds of the ancient Near East of this place that's being described for us from Psalm 23 often probably had in their holster a pistol, a, a, a knife, a weapon, another weapon in their hand, and they looked fierce, often looking around with their edgy eyes. They were warriors ready to defend the flock. We need someone like that. And we need someone like that. Even David says, who has that experience of shepherding. And he says in Psalm 23, we need someone like that because of the common human experience of such need. Now, friends, I, having prepared in Psalm 23 again, it's not the first time I preached it. I looked at this and thought, one day I'd like to do a whole series on Psalm 23. So I feel like today is going to be a shortened form. It's just too truncated, but I pray it's deep enough into our hearts that it changes us. And we see in Psalm 23, there's three things that having the Lord, your shepherd, will see you be led to contentment, find comfort when fearful, and therefore feel confident in the face of trouble. Look at verse 1. And be led to contentment, even from verse 1, straight out the sheep gate. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Shall not want. Now, That phrase speaks loudly and clearly into our society today, doesn't it? Because here's what happens. We so easily want, don't we? I so easily want. Can I ask you, have you ever felt lacking in something? Of course you have. I have. We've all felt lacking in something. But here's what happens in the West, in our hemisphere, in our part of society. This is what happens. We already feel lacking in something, but now we are made to feel lacking in something. Like we're absolutely made to feel. It's the main action of the verb. It's the main thing that's done to us by society. Society preaches to youth and young adults, to teenagers, that you need to have this thing. And unless you have this thing, your life is lacking. To those middle-aged, trying to find a middle-aged person. Obviously, it's, I'm a middle-aged person. To those middle-aged or millennials. Millennials used to be the young ones. It's going, yeah, we're millennials. Thanks, boomer. But now the millennials, as they step onto the valley of that shadow of the middle age, you are preached at 24-7 that you need to have your life at a certain level of maximum or you've missed out. And then those who are in our senior years. Looking back, the world, the media tells you. It tells you that you need to have everything sorted in life. And once you have everything sorted in life, even your funeral plan to its nth degree, once you have that sorted, then you'll be secure. Because you've got the superannuation and you've got the funeral plan and everything will be secure and you'll be totally safe. 
but of course you feel there's something lacking. We're made to feel this lack. Society has a whole drive of want and unsatisfaction. And I want, therefore I am, has become our motto. It's become who we are. Our feeling of want, our sense of lacking grows with the size of our desires though, doesn't it? These things become poor supplements. In fact, they're actually idols of the heart. They're idols, really. They're things that we would make as God replacements. Things that are often good, but they become gods and they're very bad to us as gods. Because they bully us around. And they make us do things for them. And they make us sacrifice for them. But they never give any real hope in return. It's a pretend hope. And our society does not like our idols challenged either. Don't tell me, my family, that I don't need this thing. We don't like our idols challenged. But when we get that thing, friend, are you satisfied? Does that satisfy you? Most of us chase the dream in some way. We search for the complete picture of contentment as advertised on the sign. I go into the fast food restaurant. I want my burger to look like that because then I'll be satisfied. But often it's not. Or we see the billboard for the new estate in town and there is evergreen waters and there's a picture of a big pond with a boy fishing at the pond. Now, aside from the fact that it's called evergreen waters, I'm not sure if you want to fish at that pond, but that's another question. But then we expect that once I move into my house that I've work so hard to try and even start a deposit on or pay for and get into it, then I'll have all this lifestyle time that I'll just get to fish at the pond or my children will just fish at the pond. And then we actually find the reality is not that at all. We spend our lives so busy trying to afford all the things that we want to have, we never get to actually fish at the pond. And even when we get there, we find that doesn't bring contentment forever. Friends, Wanting things of the world is a vain chase, and we will not be satisfied. But look at this, verse 2. The shepherd, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still water. Now, when we hear those words, particularly us Aussies, like, you know, Australian culture, this is us. Maybe it's the West as well in a wider way. But for the sake of not offending everybody in the room, let's just pick on Australians, but when we hear those words, makes me, how do we feel about that? What? Makes me? No one's going to make me do anything. Make me? No, you're not going to make me. We bristle at the thought of someone making me do anything. No one has power authority over me. Do whatever I want. But we miss the pastoral language used here in its full meaning. It's speaking of sheep, friends, pastures and a shepherd. Now again, having done a lot of work with sheep, here is something to note. Here's something interesting. The school of shepherding, school of sheep. Uh, and you don't have to work closely to sheep to know this. Now, you can go and notice this as you drive past a paddock day or night. Here's something to notice. And look, if all you know about sheep is you wear rug boots and you eat lamb, that's fine. You can notice this. Here's what you can notice. Sheep don't lie down often. They just don't. 
Now, if sheep do lie down, it's got to be a very good reason. You see, a ewe, which is a female sheep, when they're giving birth, they will lie down often. Uh, particularly when they're in trouble, they'll lie down and they can't get up and that leads to more trouble with crows and death and it's awful. If sheep get sick, they will lie down. Or if a sheep dies, it's lying down. But sheep will lie down on their legs, on their haunches, when they are content in pasture paddocks. When no one's harassing them, when there's no fox or dog, when no one's chasing them, such as you on a motorbike or the kids, they will, in those moments, when they're absolutely content, they'll lie down. Do you see? Do you see the language now? He makes me lie down in green pastures, not because he's holding the sheep by the neck and pushing it down, but because he has led that sheep to green pastures and what could possibly be the only response, but I'm going to lie down content. I want to lie down with contentment. And therefore, because they want to lie down with contentment, they have no more want in life. Where else would they rather be? But with this shepherd, they want for anything else but to be here with him. For verse 3, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. See, green pastures and still waters, only the shepherd can restore your soul, your life like this, and be led in paths of righteousness because it's something you can't get yourself. Now, friends, in life, the Lord may give us more or less. Facts of life, you can't choose your sufferings. You can't choose how you suffer. Because all of us would choose not to, wouldn't we? You can't choose quite a few things. You can't choose when you were born, how you were born. In fact, you can't choose any of that, which makes sense that God chooses us for salvation. You, can't, you, do, you do not have the free will to choose when you were born. You don't have the free will to choose your sufferings. You can't choose how life is going to pan out for you. You cannot plan your destiny like that. It is God's providence and his sovereignty and grace to you. And the Lord may give you in life more or less. And we spend our lives comparing ourselves to others. Why don't they suffer like I do? Why don't I have what they have? The Lord may give you more or less. But Psalm 23, the promise is sure. If you have him, you can be content. And you can find, secondly, comfort when fearful. Verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. Now, it might be that someone is content in life. So people from different world religions can say, well, my world religion or my view gives me contentedness in life. Might be the case, but here's the question. What about in death? Are you content in death? See, we live in a world where our society dresses death up in fancy clothes. So we don't like to use the D word. And so we'll say things like past, gone, left us, rest in peace. Because death is a scary word when it's used in real time. Not just pretend time, but in real time. When, when we talk about someone 
have died, it's something that we in the West still struggle to comprehend. We try to dress it up, play it down, forget it, ignore it, suppress it, avoid it, but we can't. Death is a dark shadow that is cast over our life, and we feel its presence. Being in a valley, you can't see at all. So even though we walk through that valley at times, at the end of our life, we'll all walk through it for the last time, won't we? At times, it is with our grandfather or great-grandfather. It is holding the hand of our loved one as they take their last breaths. And what a precious ministry that is. But one day, all of us will walk through that valley. All of us. I look at my children, and I currently can pick up my boys, 10-year-old and 7-year-old. I can pick them up, and they're pretty strong, but I can pick them up, and they want me to wrestle them. Dad, rest. And, and, and my eldest always says, go harder, Dad, go harder. So I'm picking him up and throwing him around. I'm always like, oh, no, it's too hard, it's too hard. No, go harder. And I say to them, one day, I won't be able to pick you up if I'm still here. And one day, you'll be able to pick me up. Maybe that's not far away. But then also one day, unless I haven't gone to the Lord and before then, one day, you may need to pick me up, perhaps in a home, put me into bed, take me out of bed. I'll be a fragile body of myself that once was. And one day, you will hold my hand, perhaps, as I step into that valley. But you won't be able to hold my hand through the valley. Because I'll be in it. I'll be gone. And the question is this. Boys. Chloe. Do you know the shepherd who reaches out to hold your hand through the valley? Because with him, you can fear no evil. Your shepherd is with you. His rod and his staff, they comfort. Shepherds of the ancient Near East, I did some reading and research because, again, it's not my field of shepherding. We didn't have rods and staff. In fact, we used to use cattle prodders years ago on farms until that was not okay for sheep. And now it's not okay for cattle and all sorts of good reasons for that. So we don't have rods and staffs. We have kelpies. But in the ancient Near East, they had a rod and a staff and the rod was the weapon, usually a lead-laden weapon. The rod was the weapon to defend the flock against the wolves, the lions, the bear, the dog, against predators who would bite and devour the flock. So to know that your shepherd is your defense is of great comfort. And the staff is used to direct and pull and guide because sheep often, Isaiah 53, now the Colin song, what do they do? They go where? Astray. We all like sheep have gone astray. There we go. Sheep go astray, they often do. The farm I grew up on, we had a merino ewes and we put a borderlester ram over them which produced a first cross lamb, crossbred lamb. And if you ask my father, they are mad. They are mad as cut snakes. You can put them through a paddock, you can put them through a corner gate and there'll always be at least one that for some reason gets themselves behind the gate. But instead of going, you know what? I'm behind the gate. I'm backed into a corner. 
I should go out and then through the gate like a normal sheep. No. They will go at full pelt, bang, 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 with their head until it bleeds sore. Sheep go astray. And we need the comfort of a shepherd who has a rod and a staff to direct and bring us back. You name it, sheep get stuck in it. We need the shepherd with his rod and staff. And the comfort here is the Lord Jesus, his rod and staff. We see that he's the one that beats back our enemies, including sin and death. The Heidelberg Catechism, which is a Reformed Catechism, we often use it for Lord's Supper, not today, but often use it for Lord's Supper, asks that question, which we teach our children, what is your only comfort in life and death? And it is that I'm not my own, but I belong to Jesus. Why? Because he is my shepherd. He is the shepherd of the sheep. And particularly when we walk through that valley of that shadow, from the moment they ate of the tree, Adam and Eve stepped into a shadow. They stepped into the shadow of death. They were living on a pathway to dying. And ever since, even in our life, death casts a shadow over us. One day, we will walk through the valley of that shadow. And for those who have the Lord as their shepherd, we will know what it is to fear no evil. Our family live in a newly built house that has no creaks and cracks yet. Got some little nicks and dings, but no creaks and cracks. And yet, it's not a scary house, it's not a big house. But at night time, normally when they walk to the study, they walk to the study to get some more paper, do some drawing, prolific artists they are. But at night time, they look at that hallway and they fear. And they don't want to go down it. Unless I'm with them. I'm holding their hand to walk to the light switch and then everything changes. And we are just like that. We need the shepherd to be with us. And friends, notice this, just how personal this is. Look in verse 4. Look at verse 2 and 3 compared to verse 4. There's a change. There's a difference in the pronouns. See this? Verse 2 and 3, he, 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 he. Verse 4, you. You. He's speaking personally to his Lord. You are with me. You are with me. When we fear the shadow of death, the Lord, your shepherd, being with you makes all the difference. It makes death just look like a shadow. For the Lord is one who gives victory through the valley of the shadow of death by breaking the power of death. And that's such a comfort. And that's such a comfort that we need now in the face of trouble. Verses 5 and 6. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The person who has the Lord as shepherd has increasing confidence with no end. In this present and future reality, confident in the face of trouble. And now in those last words, forever. Why? Because even in present contentedness, the person's only comfort in life and death is to surely have the shepherd. And therefore, surely goodness and mercy shall follow all their life. Surely they'll dwell in the Lord's house, heaven, forever, for eternal life. 
Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. I don't know if you thought about this, but when would you need to anoint a sheep with oil? You know, I was telling you about the crossbreed lamb. Bang, 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 bang till her head bleeds. I've seen sheep do that. I've seen them bang so hard against pen yards. They will do that and you, you've got to stop them. Else they'll, they'll end up destroying themselves that they've actually skinned their neck. I've seen them go so hard, they will bleed and they will keep doing it. You know what happens if you get those sheep and you stop them doing it and put them out in the paddock and let them, for them go for themselves to fend for themselves, which sheep are not very good at doing? What is the next predator that gets that sheep? It's not the fox. It's not the dog. You know what it is? It's a little worm we call a maggot. That sheep with a bleeding head only has to have, particularly in the spring and the summer, a bit of moisture around, only has to have a fly lay some eggs on its head, just in the moisture. Then maggots give birth, come forth, and they eat the dead flesh. So as the flesh dies, they keep eating it. They keep eating the edges. Until one day, left unattended, you will find that sheep with a head full of thriving, moving mass of maggots eating it alive. And so what does the farmer do? What does the shepherd do? We anoint its head with oil. Now we call that oil these days other products. You buy them at Nutrient Ag Solutions or Elders, Rural. But for the shepherd of that day, the oil was a barrier to keep that predator away, a fly away. You anointed its head with oil. So whenever the sheep got wounded in need of care, the shepherd tenderly not only prepared food for the sheep, but anointed its head with oil, cared for it with its wounds. This is our shepherd friend. And we notice that as the shepherd does that, therefore the sheep's, verse, three, verse 5, sorry, the sheep's cup overflows. The shepherd is not stingy, negligent, but cares. Now, I said before in sermons that I naturally, left up to my own natural rust state, I naturally tend to be a half-glass-empty kind of person, right? So if I ever have any half-glass-full moments, that's a supernatural thing because God has worked something there. So I just tend to be a glass-half-empty person. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but that's what I think anyway. But do you see what the Lord does here in verse 5? Whereas before I was a glass half empty guy, because of the Lord, I can now be, and you can now be, not a glass half empty, not a glass half full, but your cup overflows kind of person. Whatever the wounds he tends to, whatever happens in life, he cares. And your joy can overflow. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The Lord of hosts hosts a meal of fellowship with us. He's with us. And it's not just when we get out of the valley, by the way. It's not just when we get through those circumstances that he cares for us. It's when the enemies of sin are around us, when they surround us, when the enemies of sin and death are there, that's when he's preparing that table. And even though, verse 4, we're in that valley now in times of trouble in the presence of enemies, he leads us to a picnic 
of life and death with our enemies watching. And therefore we can feel confident, not just of future deliverance, but even in the face of trouble now, the Lord is our shepherd now. The Lord is my shepherd through the valley of that shadow. Is the Lord your shepherd? Every week we have people with us who are looking into the Lord Jesus, are looking into life with Jesus. What would that look like for me? That's a great question to ask. If that's you, what would it look like for you to have the Lord as your shepherd? But more to the point, who is the Lord? Who is the Lord? The sense that the psalm that's penned here for us shows us, in fact, and Jesus shows us, the Lord Jesus is our shepherd. But the question that Christians are going to ask is this, we know he's our shepherd, we have faith in Christ, but functionally, is he your shepherd? Are you living with him as your shepherd, your Lord? See, we easily don't because based upon our own felt experience. Often we do lack and we don't look to the Lord. Often we fear and we don't put our faith in him. And we're most troubled, particularly by our own unrighteousness. Our biggest lack, our unrighteousness, our approval of God, that is what we really need. We need righteousness that he can give and most of all he gives that we see the shepherd gives that maybe friends you've taken a few steps off the paths of righteousness is it possible we all do that it's possible we took just a few steps off the path of righteousness maybe you've been playing with sin maybe you've been looking with a bit more lust just, it's okay, it's just a little bit. Maybe you've let anger take hold in your heart that you just respond in every way by flying off the handle. Maybe you've let the grumble become you. That you, instead of praying for people, you'd rather talk about people. Whatever it is, there's all sorts of ways in which we step off the paths of righteousness. And what happens is we take a few steps and soon we find ourselves down another road and there's a distance between you and the Lord. It seems like just a small step for your own interests, for your name's sake, but it actually leads you away from the one whose name's sake can save you. Friends, such missteps, sinful steps, are usually because we let something else lead me we let someone else lead us, someone else lead us rather than the shepherd who is Jesus. We need to be led by the Lord through his word on his paths. And what we can do now, this is really important, it's all we just need to do, is what we can do because the Lord is our shepherd. We wounded that we are can go to him, look to the shepherd, listen to the shepherd in Psalm 23 and listen to him as he speaks to you. John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. You see, Jesus isn't the shepherd who just is with the sheep. That would be profound enough. He is with the sheep, but Jesus is more than that. Because when you think about Jesus' life and death himself, Jesus is also the shepherd 
who becomes a sheep, who becomes the lamb who was slain, we saw in Revelation 7. He is the only shepherd who knows and feels what the sheep are going through because he's also the lamb who was slain for their sin. He didn't give up on you. He gave himself up in death. He is the rod and staff. Maybe you feel like a lost sheep in life. You need to hear this. I preached Psalm 23 many a time at a funeral. I preached a lot of funerals of those who have died, who have in their life not given any life or testimony indication to trust in Jesus. I get asked to do funerals like that all the time. I counsel a family, I talk about Jesus, and as is our custom in the Reformed Church, we don't preach to the dead, we preach to the living. I don't speak about the dead. Their life is over. I speak to the living in the room who need the Lord Jesus. And in Psalm 23, it's easy in those moments for Psalm 23 to come up as kind of a sentimental psalm. It doesn't directly say anything about sin, repentance. I think it does say a lot. But it's easy for us to glide over this psalm and just feel its sentimentality like a Hallmark card. When actually this psalm speaks to those who are still lost sheep. And it says, friends, you need a shepherd like this. You absolutely do. He loves people. He cares for people. And when people walk through that valley, he can be your comfort too. But you need to trust him. You need to repent of finding contentment anywhere else and turn with your sin to him, with your wounds, for him to anoint your head with oil, to forgive you of your sin and include you in his flock. I pray every sermon this happens for people, that people will get closer to that shepherd, that he would draw them to himself. I pray this for you, be that you're a teenager thinking about professing faith one day, or an adult, that when we take up the Lord's Supper in a moment, and communion the Lord's Supper, that if you don't believe in Jesus like that yet, you've not professed faith and been baptized, if that's not you yet, you would look at it and go past, but not let it go past without a thought, but look at that supper go past and say his body and blood was broken and shed for people that are his sheep. I want to become his sheep. Talk to me today about that. Talk to one of the elders. Talk to one of our women's leaders about putting your trust in Jesus. There are simple ways we can do that by reading the Bible with you and praying with you for that to happen. Today is Reformation Sunday. Happy Reformation Sunday to you. Today, Reformation Sunday, the last Sunday in October, because October 31st, 1517, was the day that Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the door of Wittenberg. And today in Reformation Sunday, it's, I think, great to have a Martin Luther quote. Martin Luther said this about the Psalms. He said, The Psalter is a little Bible and the summary of the Old Testament. He is right. The Psalms are profoundly beautiful for us to be in, particularly when it comes to our fears. Because as you read the Old Testament and the New Testament and you look into our life now, we are full of fears. Or we pretend we don't have them. We show all sorts of bravado. We make our voice deeper like a dog barking at the door. Oh, I don't fear nothing. 
if he's wolf. But we have fears. And Psalm 23 gives us this assurance in all our fears. Jesus says this to you and I. For those who trust him, he says, I'm with you. Verse 4, for you, Jesus, are with me. Even when we walk through that valley. Reforming Church, here's something else that's a reality on my last sermon for a long time. I am always going to let you down. Now, if you had any other thought of anything else otherwise, I hope that bubble was burst a long time ago. I'll let you down. You'll let one another down. And we'll do that until Christ returns. But here's someone who will never let you down, Jesus. There are many things we could want for, but you'll never want for anything more precious than more of Jesus in your life. For the comfort we have in Christ through the valley is the comfort in the one who went through the valley himself to death on a cross and then came back. Jesus, the shepherd who died for our sin, rose for our hope, and he holds at his hand, offering to you the promise in his word through that valley. There's no need to fear evil and death. Be comforted for Christ, for he is with you. After singing together, we'll turn to the table of the Lord and have this communion in the Lord's Supper. But as we do that, friends, this is our prayer that you would turn to him and trust him as your shepherd. Let's pray. Revelation 7 verse 17, For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Our Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for leading us. Thank you that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever through faith in you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.